When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Miami. We've been in claustrophobic LA taxi cab confessions for weeks. But we are back on a rooftop. It's 11.47 on a Saturday night. My partner is here. She's just beaten up some henchmen of a dirty pimp in Miami, Katie Walsh. It feels good to be back in the, the humid climate of Miami. It truly does. I was getting sick of it over in LA. <laughs> it was steamy. The other day I drank a cocktail and a cocktail bar. It was a mojito and I drank it and I thought, I can't wait to go back to Miami with Katie Walsh. But we are here and we have got an unbelievably special guest. This guest emerged uh, by complete surprise in a chat during a live screening of the Miami Nice Cut, the definitive cut of Miami Vice. Is that how we met this guest? Yes, that's how we met this guest. They emerged, they found out about this thing that was happening <clears throat> and in the midst of the screening happening, started dragging not only themselves because they were a part of the production of Miami Vice, but then another great guest, Elliot Koretz, dragging people who had been a part of the show definitively and like the all-time chat of like oh that was special effects and that was a squib and oh i nearly got hit by a plane recording that like the 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 like miami vice law that then translated into miami nice podcast is responsible solely from this person we also are the owners of authentic katie authentic mm-hmm. not the not the replicated, not the replicas, not, not the homage, <laughs> authentic 2005 Miami Vice crew t-shirts, Mojo, Mercury Rocket, like Crockett and Tubbs lost to the director's cut. Um, <laughs> the boat race shirts. And yeah. lost to promo <clears throat> images. I have a framed picture on my wall. That was a promo image of Jamie Foxx and Colin Farrell wearing these shirts that was in Empire Magazine in Australia and the UK. And oh, yeah. I now own one, which is patently ridiculous because of this person. <laughs> they, that they, they are such a legend in our little community. We're incredibly grateful for him and everything that he has brought to this show. Ladies and gentlemen, is a sound editor of... Miami Vice, Joseph Sy. Joe, thank you so much <laughs> for being here. It is absolutely <clears throat> overdue that you are here with us. Well, damn. Uh, thank you. Thank you for that intro. <laughs> Thanks for having me. This is uh, this is fun. Let's have some fun. Um, yeah, it's, it's always... been... Uh, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's always... Uh, it, it, I always get a kick out of telling you guys, um, you know, stories from this movie. And I've always... Um, it's all I always uh, really enjoy the other episodes of the podcast hearing you guys 
and other people um totally geek out on the movie so um so <laughs> yeah i mean uh, <clears throat> and it's not like it's the like you've got hundreds it feels like hundreds of credits where you've plied your wares across basically every genre and scale of movie and television show so like <laughs> um including low-key something that's coming up in the decade project next year the judge which i will unashamedly say that that robert downey jr vanity project i love and everyone else go screw right like that's a great movie in my opinion but wow. most most importantly you brought us so much um and was so generous with gifts and i mean katie and i are still floored by it and even to this day we katie and i were fighting tooth and nail tooth and nail to get ourselves a ticket to Ferrari and in Australia, this fucking backward country of mine, no matter how many times one tries to negotiate to go and see something or say, Hey, you know, like the new Michael Mann movie for someone in Australia to see it might be good to show me. I don't know why ask the internet <laughs> why. Um, and, uh, I still can't get in to see it, but oops, a little ticket that said plus one for Joseph side became Katie Walsh to see Ferrari. <laughs> and I am so happy. So, so happy that that was the case because you've now been to our live show. You guys catch up and see each other at the occasional screenings. It's awesome. It's uh, yeah, it's a real treat to have you, man. Thank you so much for doing it. Oh, thanks. And I want to congratulate Katie for going viral with her <laughs> Halloween costume <laughs> for those that for those that don't know, look up her Twitter, and uh, she was, she was uh, the the best movie ever for Halloween. Yeah, the it's... the according to Sight and Sound, <laughs> I don't know why people thought it was such a niche reference. <laughs> if it's the best movie according to the Sight and Sound poll. Yeah, I mean her next her next outfit she's going to IMDb, so she will be dressing. <laughs> Oh, that would be hilarious if it's be... like, okay, it's the AFI top 100, yeah, it's the IMDb Sh top. She's doing Citizen Kane, and then she'll do Shawshank, and then she'll do my whole drive. <laughs> I, like, I, I'm legit. You have to. This, yeah. this means this means Katie has to do a uh, one-minute podcast for John Dealman. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. It'll be, uh, actually, it should, be, it should be like whatever the inverse of that is. Oh, what? <laughs> In, do the entire show do an entire a take on John Dillman in one minute one minute of, yeah <laughs> only one minute of John Dillman yeah just I'll just share my thoughts on John Dillman for one minute and that's it that's enough um yeah we'll obviously I I was John Dillman the Chantal Ackerman film which is an amazing movie it's three hours of the queen Delphine Sayreg just doing um uh housework and also sex work you know, so it's a feminist spoiler, classic. Spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler alert. Hey, I didn't say what happens at the end. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> Sorry if you guys haven't seen Jean Dillman. <laughs> I've, I've seen it a couple times. Okay, watch, good, good, good. Watch, watch out for the Jean Dillman hive um, for, the, for the ramifications <laughs> of that potential spoiler. Uh, um, but I just wanted to add on my own... Uh, thanks and introduction to to joseph which is that you know you've become an indis indispensable part of our crew you connected us to elliot who's been a wonderful guest you're in our discord anytime i need to fact check something i'm like 
hey, can you tell us if this happened or not? Because, you know, sometimes there's like weird rumors that start going around. So annoying. And our, our crew find them too. That's the other thing that our crew do. They're like, some BS article appeared here. Name any one of the number of, of, oh, the, yeah. of, the, of the worst examples of film news sites and we're like that's not that's not true and people are like is that true they ask us and i'm like i can almost guarantee that it's not true and then joe just sort of slides in and goes absolutely not true and we're like okay that's <laughs> right. good that's oh, good well we might we might as well get into it because i think that was one of the random rumors we that popped up was that um jamie and colin like we're not on set at the same time and they had to composite them or whatever. Like, no, <laughs> yeah. no. In, in, the, you... in the hangar scene towards the end of the film where he's like, you know, as, as Trudy would say, I ain't playing like the, the right. big emotional scene where they kind of like, it definitely was one of the scenes that had been, had changed because it was originally meant to be happening in Ciudad del Este. And they came back, they did it in a hangar. They put the plane in there. They had a Ferrari in there. It was a very, like, I call it one of the Tony Scott scenes. Cause like when Tony Scott wants to make something look more awesome, he puts it in an airplane hangar and jams it with <laughs> cool shit. Um, and so like, so that scene, but the, the emotional crescendo of that scene before they go off and start, you know, about to do this double cross and take down the guys in the trailer park to get Trudy back. Like someone started saying, oh, they're not even in the same thing. And they recorded ADR and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, <laughs> there's like seven or eight angles where they're in the same frame. I've seen this movie in all the versions that exist and trailers and all that sort of, <clears> it's <throat> like, you see them in the same, at the same table. Like you see them. Yeah. I, I don't, and in 2006, if you could do that, can you imagine how bad Netflix movies would be now? Like if, if we could have done that in 2006, because like The Rock and Ryan Reynolds were not in that movie together. I, I'm 100% <laughs> sure of it. I'm not even going to mention its name. It doesn't deserve yeah. a mention on this show. But yeah, but so it's, it's nice to have someone that we can just say, hey, can you check this for us? And then Joseph will just come in with like, nope. They definitely recorded ADR. They definitely were in the shots together. I was there. I'd met Colin in New York. Like they were there was bad blood i mean you know i think they i don't know if it was even bad blood but they were like you know they were I, trying to out cool each other yeah. and we've heard that from a couple of different people who worked on the movie and so i don't think it's surprising to know that they were you know um competitive but yeah. that you know they made it work they they were just I actually to, yeah, yeah i actually learned all, all about that kind of stuff from your podcast because when we worked on it because obviously we're in post-production uh we weren't really privy to that all that um stuff you know drama from the film set because you know we were just in la um you know editing the movie so yeah i didn't really hear about all of that uh, competitiveness until um your other guests brought it up um on the show which of course i found really amusing and <laughs> not not surprising <laughs> at all Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, it makes me smile every day. Like if I really need to <laughs> smile, I just think, imagine, imagine having the money and the inclination to compete with someone and be like, oh, he hired the VIP area at the best club in Miami. I'm hiring the club. You know, it's like so I, low it's stakes so and hilarious. Silly. It's like, yeah, exactly. It's low stakes. It's like, cool. Go spend your money to look cool. Like who cares? You know? Right. Wait, so yeah. I want to go back in time to just like how you got on this movie. Had yes. you worked with Elliot before? 
did you work on collateral? Like at what point <laughs> are you coming into the maniverse? Um, so yeah, uh, no on collateral, but um, so the, I uh, got my start as a PA at a sound company in Burbank called Soundstorm. And that's where I first met Elliot. And then that's when Elliot got the supervising job of Michael's new TV show, um, Robbery Homicide Division yep. in 2002. And so this was my first time um, meeting and working with Elliot. Uh, I was his PA on that show. Um, and so in back in 2002, the PA job still existed for sound because a lot of our job was driving um, around town a lot to deliver VHS tapes oh and God. external hard drives because of wow. course that's that's you know the way it was back then the internet yeah. wasn't fast enough to um upload and download all this stuff so um but yeah so that was um that was my first um working experience with Elliot and then um we did that whole series together um a great show that is so hard to find a great oh, show yeah. that is so hard well, to find oh i don't think it's that hard to find i think it's all on youtube no, I'm sorry, sorry. I, I should qualify. So hard to find in good quality because it oh, looks okay. pretty trash <laughs> on YouTube. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's not, it's not like a high res, nice thing that you can find on a yeah. streamer or get on a Blu-ray. Like it's, it's, it's sort of lost to the YouTubes of it all, but it's there. You can watch it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. At least it's there. And, um, you can see, uh, the Michael Maniverse <laughs> elements all over it. Um, but yeah, so I worked with him on that. Of course, that was this. That was how he knew me. And then a few years, couple years go by. Um, I finally get into the union, and I let Elliot know this is like um, late 2005. I get into the Editors Guild, and um, and the timing is perfect because Elliot is like, "All right, great. Well, we're starting." to work on this uh, new movie, Miami Vice, and I need um, to hire several editors and assistant editors. And so um, Elliot gave me my first big break in Hollywood oh, as, nice. an assist, as an assistant sound editor on Miami Vice. And nice. so um, for that to be my first, like, you know, legit, like Hollywood experience, the funny thing was all of these like veteran sound editors are on the crew, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And they all told me, Joe, it's so hilarious that this is your first experience <laughs> on a Hollywood movie because <laughs> all other Hollywood movies like are not made like this. This <laughs> this is not this is not the normal way people make movies. This is just crazy town. <laughs> you know and of course and of course now that i've worked on several more features after that i see it's completely um true are you and, like this um, is a cakewalk yeah it's a breeze uh, i mean i mean um i it's it's jamie fox has said in interviews that like you know if you work on a michael mann film it's it, it's kind of like you went to michael mann university 
right you know that's what he says and so yeah a lot a lot of people do feel that way once they see you've worked on a michael mann film they go oh okay you you're an alumni of michael mann university so (laughs) this this should be you should be able to handle uh whatever comes next there's another merch idea mmu oh my god like a cool like Like, um, yeah like exactly like collegiate sweatshirt collegiate sweatshirt (laughs) and university um this is actually a you know this podcast this is a promotional t-shirt from the movie spencer (laughs) yeah thank you neon (laughs) (laughs) oh and don't forget you guys have to make the uh live laugh load shirt we do have to make our live laugh load shirts Maybe a sticker. I, think, or I, a... Th- I forget all the things we say until people remember this, Katie. <laughs> oh, well, God. Yeah, so, so good. Wait, so I, I feel like the last, when I was having mojitos with you and Elliot before I the love, screening I love of Miami any Vice. sentence that begins with, <laughs> when I was having mojitos with you, dot, dot, dot. Yep, go on, please. But you guys were saying that he like watches the movie every single morning. Yep. And the sound has to be in that cut that he's watching every morning. Yeah, um, his routine um, every single morning. And I know Elliot um, brought up how little Michael sleeps in the past episodes. Yeah. We've heard, yes. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Um, so he has a screening room in his office and his routine is every morning at pretty much 6 a.m. sharp, I think. He watches the current cut of the film. He dictates notes into his voice recorder the entire film. And then when he's done with the screening, he gives the recorder to his one of his transcribing assistants. And the transcriber types up all of the notes and then distributes it to all of the departments so every single morning you get a, a new batch of notes and of course you know he he expects to see these notes addressed like immediately you know and if any time um he wants to uh see that new these new notes like you know it's got to be like now it's got to be mm-hmm. yesterday you know right and so um for a lot of his movies that are like really big budget, you know, a lot of people, a lot of critics will say like, you know, we don't see the, uh, we don't see it on screen. Why do these movies cost so much? Oh yeah. And I, yeah, most of us in post are just like, because his post-production budget is insane. And you, <laughs> you know, most, most of the audience at home don't really realize it. It's not something you see on screen, but I mean, he's one of the only guys that um i think has a 24 hour picture department wow because you don't usually see that usually you know yeah. picture department they just they have their day shift of course but then at night it, there's just no one there but not michael no michael has a day shift and a night shift always working in his That's picture wild. department because it's very common for him to just be like lying in bed at 2 a.m. and he has some itch he has to scratch and so he'll just call you know the picture department whoever there and he'll say yeah you know i was thinking let's you know cut this and uh mm-hmm. do this the cut and that cut and um have it ready for me to watch at 6 a.m when i get well, in well the so. 
the great Pasquale Buber, who's now passed away, who came on One Heat Minute, was one of the editors of Heat. He was one of the lead editors. So it was him, William Goldenberg, who's an amazing editor, Dove Honig, amazing editor, Tom Rolfe, amazing editor. If you want to go down a rabbit hole, go look at some of their collective resumes. You look at that and you're like, there's four editors on this thing. What were they doing? And that was what Pasquale was talking about. Is like, we literally were working around the clock. Like, you know, oh, yeah. two of us would be on in that uh, afternoon shift, if you like. So this is happening all the way back in 95 and you're working with him in 2006, 2005. Mm -hmm. And there's another two guys that are working the morning shift and they're working on sep sometimes separate, they're, you know, tactically deployed along separate trains to incorporate those notes to go boom, 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 boom. And just like keep going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And yeah, so that now it starts to all click in that it makes sense. It's like, no, he's there and yeah. he, the way that he's doing it. And I would argue also, if anyone's saying, oh, it's not on screen, it's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> what, like the suits, the cars, the locations, like what do you, what? what's not on screen? What's not on, like, you know, yeah. I think the nature of post-production is that you're not supposed to notice it. Yes. Right, like, yes. and that's kind of the the brutal, beautiful thing about it is like if you're making something, you know, something that's seamless and that just like you know plunges you into a world with the momentum and craft that Michael Mann films do, like you have to not notice it. You have to not be thinking about the edit or the VFX or the sound or anything. You just want to be immersed in the world, and it's like you guys did a great job. If I'm not even thinking about how much the post-production must have cost, you know? When I'm watching a Marvel movie and I'm clocking the VFX looking bad, it's like, that's a bad, that's, that, someone has messed up, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, they've tortured yeah, it's like the, 20, they've tortured 20 VFX houses. No one has slept for the last three years and I know. it still doesn't look great. Yes. <laughs> um, so it's, uh, it's definitely like a, it's, it's on the screen, but not in a, in a, in a subtle way. It's not in an obvious way. And yeah, I mean, I, it's it's crazy how movies from the '80s have be better visual effects than the movies today. I mean, John Carpenter's yeah. The Thing, you know, yeah. like that movie slaps because they did live creatures, practical yes. effects. Yeah, yeah, like none of the movies today with all of the digital stuff come close to that movie you know, you know? it's it's and uh not a movie that everyone loves but i would just say as far as a technical achievement this year the closest thing that i saw to something that like reminded me of a early 90s 80s movie as far as digital was um the creator gareth edwards looks like, amazing look, looks like, amazing like whatever you think about the story i, I get i get because i don't have uh, it's not a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination but i'm just like he is a guy who has worked in digital effects in his past and knows I'm going to augment reality as much as possible. Use classic tools like green screen, use people with like partially, you know, uh, practical effects made up. And then I'm going to mm -hmm. tweak it in the background and all that stuff. Then when you see it on the big screen, a movie that costs 80 million bucks looks like it costs 300 million because he's just smarter <laughs> about how he's applying that money. Um, and so I'm like, yeah, like I didn't love the movie, but man, give that guy 80 million bucks every few years and he can go make whatever the hell he wants as far as I'm concerned, because it looks incredible by contrast and comparison <laughs> i think right. about the thing about the creator is like it feels incorporated into the world yes. like the droids were scuffed up or like had clothes on or you yeah. know like it felt 
you know, not shiny and new and separate. It felt worn in and like there was heft and authenticity to those, um, you know, droids or whatever you want to call them, AI creatures. I'll check it out later. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's um, but let's talk because we've been wanting to get Joseph on the show for some time. And then around the time that they were having mojitos and we were learning about his backstory and attending his turbulent year at Michael Mann University, Joseph teased Katie with this detail. And immediately as Katie does, when she finds out new details about Miami Vice, she messages me because usually all around I'm the like, time what did I message world, you? <laughs> you? No, Katie messaged me and said, Joseph has a notebook. He thinks yes, a he notebook. has a notebook from his time. And I'm like, can we get it? Can we publish it? <laughs> I must read it. And she's like, yeah, he's going to go digging and see if he can find it. And then like a week or so goes past and, you know, we're talking about all manner of things. And then Katie gave me the signal of like, I just saw Joseph. He found the notebook. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, now it's time. Like this is the time. So firstly, can you tell us about your notes that you found and why that was so important for you to find because you were so excited to share it with us but like yeah like tell us when you make the movie you make the movies you obviously go off and do so many amazing other films like in television shows and all sorts of big different kinds of scales etc but why is this one why is this movie still so important to you before we get to your notes and why is it something that you have such an affinity for all these years later like what what is it about miami vice is it just that there is just no one else you've ever worked like that is like Michael Mann. Yeah, I mean, it's a combination of, you know, like I just said, it was my first big Hollywood movie. Yes. My first big break in into the industry. And it was also such a pinch myself moment because I was already such a big fan of um, the man. Um, you know, my first introduction to him was Heat. Um, I was like, you know, I saw in the theaters, I was 16 at the time. And of course that blew me away. And then the movie that really blew me away was then The Insider. Yeah. You know, in 99. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this dude is just killing it. What I have to like research what this dude is about and, you know, so then I watched all of his other movies. And so um, obviously when I started working on Robbery Homicide Division. Um, Which is know, a massive was, show production wise yeah. as well. Massive show. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was um, it was such a huge moment for me. I was like, wow, I'm working on a Michael Mann show. And I'm just like, I just got into the industry and here I am. So life, it's, it's a crazy career um, mm -hmm. that is just really unpredictable <laughs> sometimes <laughs> as this year has shown us um so yeah um so yeah it was just a, it was just this crazy combination of being my first big break into the industry and um and it was for one of my you know favorite filmmakers so um yeah it was a pretty cool way to get into the business <laughs> so so do you always but, keep your notes for every movie or were you like this question. is like the one that i have to kind of like keep for the archives well i guess it was my first since it was kind of my first movie and um the the 
the notebook I kept isn't as sexy as you guys are having it up to be. <laughs> it's just a lot of like, it's just a lot of just, you know, random, you know, address lists and just random, you know, notes and stuff. Um, but, um, but yeah, I wanted to dig up my notebook because I wanted to, you know, kind of refresh my memory and see um, what I had in there. And um, the, I, I, the main thing that jumped out at me that I did not remember until I looked back at my notes was because I had a lot of continuity sheets from when we started the show. And um, one of the earlier versions of the movie actually started with the CU del Este flash drive sequence. That's it started, so crazy. It started with that, then Boat Race, then Nightclub. Yeah. So that was kind of one of the original iterations of the movie. And um, but yeah, they chopped that idea kind of when right when we started working on it in January, or when I started working on it in January 2006. Um, and then I know this when I told Katie this, this was she was surprised. The in, basically the entire time that we worked that I worked on the movie from January till June 2006, um, the movie pr always started with the boat race. Yeah. And then at the last minute, he goes, no, we're going to cut the boat race and just start it just start it hard with the uh, Jay-Z track in the nightclub. Wasn't it and, like at some like screening or something? It's suddenly like, oh, wait, no, no boat race. Like it's like right before like some cast and crew screening or am <laughs> I just like making this up? <laughs> no, I, I don't know if it was any particular screening, but um, I do have one. There is one thing I wonder about, um, which is. Uh, so. I don't re quite remember when this was in the process, but it was sometime sometime between January and July when I was working on it. Um, Mr. Jay-Z himself comes to the office and they screen like the first 20, I think 10 or 20 minutes of the movie for him. And obviously it's because his his song opens the movie. Well, it didn't initially didn't open the movie. Yeah, <laughs> but that's what I'm bringing up, which oh. is I don't I don't know which version they showed him. Oh. If they showed him the boat race opening or just the hard nightclub opening. Are are we theorizing that Jay-Z said let's go cold open with yeah. the encore? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's I mean cuz you have to re I mean in 2006 he was already a like really I big mean he's deal. huge yeah so I he's the I, most obviously, famous rapper pretty much I ever. obviously don't know what personal conversation Jay-Z and Michael Mann had in the screening room but I can't help but wonder if there was any pressure or whatever from jay-z or universal where jay-z was like um my song needs to open your movie and that's that otherwise you don't get my song anymore you know what i mean I, like, I, 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 
I, I think loving that, this theory. I can, <laughs> but but also the line that starts, Michael, who you know fresher than Hove. Riddle me that, you know. Like we don't need to start this with the boat race. Let's go with Jay's. Let's go with me. That's what this movie yeah. means. Yeah, and I mean, it's Miami Vice was known as the MTV Cops show, of course, and so there's no better MTV way to open the movie than with a just love a hard Jay-Z track. So yeah, I don't know if Jay-Z personally had any influence over how the movie opened because it, you know, involved his song or not, but it it is something I like to think about sometimes. <laughs> and when did Lincoln Park screen the movie? Yeah. <laughs> uh, when did, was yeah. Chester coming to the Chester. office? Yeah, I, I, I'm not aware if they had a screening or not, but uh, Jay-Z sure did, so, you know. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard-to-recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right but. now, I'm going down a rabbit hole. I need to find out who owns the the um, record labels that. So, Lincoln Park is on Warner Media. Jay Z is on Rockefeller. I don't know who owns Rockefeller. Anyway, this is what I'm now going to be obsessed with: is like figuring <laughs> out who the parent companies of their record labels are, <laughs> <laughs> to see if there was any influence from that end, but. I love the theory that Jay-Z was like, fuck this boat race. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go straight to the club. Straight to but the club. But also, like, when you, I think, I want to go back to Ciudad del Este opening. 
Which, like, I get it. We know man is, like, really fascinated by this place, especially post-Heat 2. We know he's really interested in what goes on there, in setting the stage, in, um, you know, establishing this place. But I have always found that sequence to be, like, kind of confusing. I mean, not anymore, obviously, having seen the movie, but, like, I'm like, wait, who are we? Like, who is this guy who's delivering the USB drive? Like, where are we? What is it? Like, it feels, it's a little, takes you out of time and space in a way in the in the narrative that is a little disorienting, which I think is fine, but it is disorienting. But had the movie opened with that, you would have been like, who is this person? We never see him again. Yes. Like, who is Jose Yero? Like, John Ortiz? Where are we? We're not in Miami. Then we're going boat race. Who is Neptune? Like, obviously, (laughs) he loves all of these amazing character actors, international global stars. He's active in Cole, you know, all these people. But it's like, no, we have to get to Miami Vice. That is the name. We have to see like Crockett and Tubbs. You have to see Crockett and Tubbs right away. Yes. We need Bacardi Mojitos and a gin and tonic. We need them doing their thing eyeballs like if you're gonna give us this sort of digital fever dream like deadly serious earnest uh modern you know retelling of this iconic property that's already like weird and out there we need to at least start with the guys yeah (laughs) We need to at least start with the guys. But it plays so perfectly when they're talking about the sophistication of the counter intel. And once they're talking about that, then it makes sense where it's like, they're going to this place, tri-border town. It is a bit lawless. It's kind of like dead woody. You know, it's kind of got that feeling of like, it's, it's the wild west in a way, but it's like the wild south. You go there and you see how practical and sort of off the grid these communications go with the sophisticated counter intel it's a flash drive on a hard to attract ip that takes it over to another place that's on a closed circuit and you're like oh i can sort of map that together if you saw that out of context now it feels so like wild because you're like how do you then stitch that back to jose euro like are we gonna wait 40 minutes until someone says sophisticated counter intel like it's not it doesn't seem to fly as as well um, unless that unless it was positioned originally that that's how they knew about Alonzo like they found out that Alonzo is the guy you know what I mean like and then yeah. in which case you're like oh I don't know how that would what line might have been cut or what something would have been cut but yeah it's 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 hard but like the club and it's so nice that like history has smiled upon the Lincoln Park opening so much like it's like Lincoln Park Jay-Z it's like no that's where it that's what all of us freaks who've loved this movie for years. That's all we want. We want that opening. That's our. That's a signal to say nothing is happening for two hours. I'm watching this movie. Yeah, and I think for original fans of the TV show, it was the instant slap in the face that you are not getting the Miami Vice theme song. Yes. Yeah. Because yes. that's what everyone is expecting right Mm -hmm. the boat race miami vice theme song we're supposed to like you know be right back in the 80s and so i I think another reason michael wanted to open it that way is just because it's just the punch right in your face of nope we're not doing that 80s thing 
we're we're in 2006 and we're just gonna we're not we're not doing that theme song anymore okay you know? I'm, yeah I, i'm begging the listeners of this show if you do a good jay-z impression <laughs> no blake no i'm I sorry want, no I, i'm I putting want, a stop to this right I now i want someone to do that and we will find like rob belushi who can do a you know he's a chicago guy to do like a chicago accent and just someone needs to improv the conversation no i need no it. no <laughs> i'm not sanctioning this buffoonery it's all you blake <laughs> someone can script it i'm not <laughs> i cannot I cannot allow this to go any further. This it's going on the idea. Patreon, guys. Guys, Katie's gonna yeah. love it. She's gonna love it. She's she's got her head in her hands. I cannot sanction this buffoonery. You're, you've Tommy Lee Jones me. Yes. I'm sorry. Oh, I have to just. That's I know the, the enthusiasm. Why, I love the enthusiasm, but I'm just gonna have to scene, say Katie. no to that one. You're gonna say no, and I'm gonna do it anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm just going on the record. Please let it show. Let the record show. <laughs> so, Joe, what else is in that fantastic notebook of yours besides that absolute bombshell? That's a bombshell, Joseph. That's a bombshell. Um, well, I don't know if it was from my notebook specifically, but there was a couple of funny, interesting tidbits I wanted to share with you guys. Um... One other thing that got changed at the last second, uh, when Alonzo walks in front of the truck to mm. to um, to commit suicide, um, I know fans think that it's it's one of the most interesting things that the sound effects actually drop out when he gets hit by the truck. And that was a, again a, a last minute decision by Michael because wow. almost the whole time we were working on it, it was just a hard bam, you know, Ooh. like that you would expect. And um, so that was kind of an interesting thing to hear that he had um, took it down in the mix at the last uh, the last minute. And I think that affects a lot, like the emotional tenor of the scene, which I, I think it's the right choice. Sorry, I interrupted yeah. you. No, it's okay. Um, but yeah, speaking of the mix, um, one of the funny stories from this movie that for me was, um, I w I got to talk to one of the re-recording mixers, Andy Nelson. And um, Andy Nelson, if you look him up on IMDb, has is a super veteran um, legend in um, in in movie sound. And I saw that he had worked on, he had mixed Full Metal Jacket. Oh, he's a mixer Super. on Ferrari too. Yeah. Elvis, he, Fablemans, The Batman, yeah. wow. West Side Story. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, I think he's won 100 Oscars or something. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, when I looked back in 2006, when I looked at him, his credits, I'm like, oh man, he, he, he did a Kubrick film. So I got to ask him about that. And so when I had a minute with him, I was like, if you can tell me any Kubrick story from Full Metal Jacket, just give me one, you know, I'll, I'll be so happy, right? Mm -hmm. And so he told me, um, so back in 87, when um, he had signed on to mix Full Metal Jacket over in um, 
you know, England. Back in the 80s, if you guys if you guys remember, when you when you would move into a new house, then of course it takes a couple days for you to like set up a home phone line and get a new home phone number and all yeah. that. And it was it's still like still up in Australia. That was still like 10 years ago. You still unless you were yeah. wise enough to actually pre-book in your phone and power sometimes you could move in and the power wasn't on and you're like right. oh, okay well i don't have power for a night <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so of course you know once you get your landline set up um then you know people people don't know your number until you start calling them and telling them hey right my my new number is this so andy nelson tells me when he signed on to full metal jacket um, he just moved into a new house, just got a new, the home phone, the new home phone number was just set up. He hadn't told anyone his phone number yet. <laughs> and a couple hours into having his new phone number, the phone rings. Hmm. Hello. Oh, it's Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> calling to talk about you know the movie and andy nelson asks him um how did you get my number i haven't even told anyone my number yet and kubrick's just like i have my ways he's plugged into that phone that's company. it oh my god <laughs> kubrick he paid just off said, the technician <laughs> yeah kubrick just said yeah i have my ways and i was like okay that's a that's a pretty great story <laughs> <laughs> from, from Full Metal Jacket. That's that's so Kubrick. That is so Kubrick right there. Mm -hmm. So, because yeah, back Andy, in... Andy Nelson has done everything from Full Metal Jacket to Billy Madison to Braveheart to Heat, The Craft, Saving Private Ryan, The Insider. Yeah. Like, this is unbelievable. And yeah, he's, the, like, he's a sound mixer. Re uh, recording yeah. mixer, yeah, sound mixer. Oh, okay. Yeah, re-recording mixer. How many how many Oscars does it say he won, Blake? It says he's got it says he's got two Oscars. He's but and twenty-eight award wins and he's had hundred and thirty-four nominations across different awards <laughs> bodies. Oh my god. Yeah. Wow. What are his Oscars for? So he mixed Miami Vice as well? Yes. Okay. Him That's and uh, Anna him and uh Anna Belmer. Oh, okay. Um I am looking forward to hearing what your thoughts are on the Ferrari sound. I mean, it's <laughs> it was remarkable. It's it's it just punches you in the gut with the sound of those cars. Yeah, you know? it's it's yeah, it's truly amazing. It, it really did just feel like and sound like you were there. And um, it's it when the, when a movie sounds so so incredible like ferrari it just reminds you that movies don't need these so-called 3d projections like you yeah. know 3d glasses and all that stuff because when you have when you have a two-dimensional movie but like with incredible sound design and surround sound Dolby it Atmos, is a yeah. it is a three-dimensional experience yeah, it's you like know? a full full body experience. Yeah. It's sensory, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, it, when you, when I think about Ferrari, I just think about those early scenes where Enzo is 
test testing those new drivers around mm -hmm. that racetrack. You know, I mean, when those Ferraris zip by, the, <laughs> they sound amazing. You know, it really does give you, it really does just shake your whole body and give you chills. Yeah, so. I mean, you know, the, the screening that you were kind enough to invite me to was like guild screening that was for sound editors and sound um, people. And so I think that they're definitely trying to, you know, reach out to those craftspeople and, and be like, check this out, you know. <laughs> So I definitely For feel sure. lucky that I was able to to tag along with you um, yeah. and especially hear it in such an amazing um, theater for that for that sound. So really quickly, I've got to go back to Andy Nelson. First, yes. he won for Saving Private Ryan. Mm, and wow. he won for Les Miserables. So yeah. okay. the, the, the 2012 version. But what's crazy is he was nominated in 22 and 23 for West Side Story, The Batman and Elvis, which were all like two consecutive years. So three Oscar noms, two years. And in the same year, 2015, he's nominated for Bridge of Spies and Force Awakens. In the same year of 2012, he's nominated for Lincoln and Les Miserables, wins for Les Miserables. In 2009, Star Trek and Avatar nominated for both. Oh, what? hell oh 2003 God. he's nominated for sea biscuit the last samurai two, uh, two, 2001 moulin rouge 99 insider and in 98 he's nominated for both the sound mixes of the thin red line and saving private ryan which he wins for private ryan so he's competing against himself um yeah yep. uh, he's competing against himself in like uh, like every year <laughs> yeah it's like since 1989 to 23 he's been nominated one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen seventeen eighteen nineteen twenty wow. twenty one twenty two twenty three twenty four twenty four films nominated twenty four academy crazy. award crazy yeah he's a legend and yeah. so many more <laughs> of those could have won on their years because war of the worlds is in there which i think is one of the best sound design movies ever the new war of the worlds the spielberg one uh -huh. um, that the sound in that movie if you ever see it on dolby atmos unbelievable but the other day i was lucky enough to see a a very special screening of streets of fire oh my god i saw that on 70 millimeter last year so streets of fire i it wasn't on 70 but it was in a beautifully calibrated perfect best digital projection basically that is incredible in this country with proper dolby atmos sound and it was only with about 10 other people we were in this very beautiful small theaterette configured to it and as and i called it a religious experience because yeah. of the sound like i couldn't yeah. believe the sound of that movie coming at me in dolby oh atmos. my god like, it was unbelievable unbelievable so you're so Ex right excuse my ignorance um is that a new movie or no streets of fire no. is an old one it's a walter hill 84 stars diane lane um michael it's Pardo. kind of a cult movie it's not super well known it's um oh. a walter hill movie yeah starring it's a rock musical he's a, yeah he's like a rock and roll fable he calls it it's yeah uh, it's really it's great. set in like a it's set in like a near future but it's kind of retro yeah um mm. the here's the the amazing thing about streets of fire Jim Steinman, who wrote all the Meatloaf songs and all the fucking bombastic Celine Dion songs and like, you know, Bad Out of Hell, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Um, what's the Celine Dion song where she's like running around and billowing? <laughs> That's the not narrowing it down. Love <laughs> and there were flashes of light. Oh, did, did he not write the... Um, uh the songs for like he's just a rock icon he wrote i think he wrote total eclipse of the heart like he's a 
dramatic rock opera icon. He wrote these songs. So um, Diane Lane plays the lead singer of a band called Ellen Aim and the Attackers. And he just wrote these two absolutely perfect rock ballads, like chart, not even ballads. The second one's a ballad. The first one's just like a great rock song. So the music in the movie is just like, Amazing. The, the Amazing. Top, so on the Rolling Stone, um, a multi-contribution article from a bunch of the great music writers there wrote the 10 essential Jim Steinman songs. There's I'd Do Anything for Love, which is Yes, I Would Do Anything for Love. Bon, yeah, me Bonnie, wow. Bonnie Tyler's Total Eclipse of the Heart. Yep. Celine Dion, It's All Coming Back to Me Now. And then he did one, Bad for Good, which was his. Bonnie Tyler, Holding Out for a Hero. Paradise by the Dashboard Light, as you said, Katie, which is so right. Sisters of Mercy, More. Um, uh, uh, meatloaf two out of three ain't bad. Jesus Christ, yes, air supply, <laughs> making love out of nothing at all. Barry yes. Manilow, read him in weep. And, uh, yeah, so he wrote basically all the songs that are in Streets of Fire. And it rock is rock god, rock god, stars Michael T. <laughs> Williamson as a Ooh. total cutie pie. Um, Drucker from Heat. Al, um, Don King from Ali um, in one of his first roles. Um, and back then they anglified his name. and His name was Michael T. Yeah, I love Williamson, that. Not Michael T. Williamson as we know him today. Um, yeah, it's an unbelievable movie. And um, Willem Dafoe in a very scary role. Villain. And <laughs> the only man that makes you think, do I need leather overalls? <laughs> do I need them? No, I don't. Probably not. <laughs> But and, the only man who can pull them off and make them look yeah, sexy. Yeah. <laughs> but and the really deep cut is Michael T. Williamson, um, I believe is in season one of the Miami Vice TV show. You see. Yeah, look it up. That would make um, sense. Um and the, that yeah, man uh, is ageless. And, he is like and, immortal, a vampire. I don't know <laughs> what. Like he's like yeah. the same age all the time. Yeah. And because uh, <laughs> I think I remember, yeah, in the Miami Vice episode he was in, they uh they they did the butchered spelling of his name back then. Oh, I don't know if, don't know if Blake Michael is seeing it. T. Looking, Williamson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking right but, now. Um, oh my gosh. So but yeah, he. What's what's crazy? Hold on, here we go. Where is he? He is. He plays. Um. Yeah, he's in two episodes. Two different characters. He plays two characters. One Silvio Romulus. And Leon oh Jefferson, God. both as Michael T, not Michael T. Yep. Um, Silvio Romulus. I know. What a name. Um, <laughs> that's still my favorite story that I still haven't gotten under the hood of, Joseph, is Michael T. Williamson at the Special Directors Guild of America screening that had Val after his throat surgery that had Michael T, that had Amy Brenneman, obviously Al and Bob and... Um, uh, um, uh, a whole suite of the cast, editors, Dante, um, etc., and Christopher Nolan moderating. Michael T. Williamson talks about a story that someone else was Drucker. And after he didn't win Best Supporting Actor at the Academy Awards for Bubba in Forrest Gump, Michael Mann and Al were such huge fans of him that they paid someone's contract out to replace them with Michael T. Williamson to become Drucker. So. Wow. I don't know who that person was, but they were signed on for the movie when he lost and they're like, come do this movie. It was yeah, worth it. A, worth the money. That's, worth it. It's a pretty, that's a pretty typical Hollywood story that happens behind the scenes. Um, yeah, I think another another recent story version of that story I 
recently learned about was um, for the movie Training Day. I believe it's on the IMDb trivia that um, uh, Toby Maguire was original was signed for the Ethan Hawke role. Oh, that would have been and, a disaster. A disaster because the guy the guy's got the personality of a fucking shoe. He's the worst. Ethan Hawke was Ethan Hawke was always the first choice for that movie, but because of the filming schedule, uh, Ethan Hawke wasn't available. So they had Tobey Maguire, and Tobey Maguire had spent a, few, a couple months riding along with LAPD, learning, you know, to be a cop and all that. And then a couple months into his training, Ethan Hawke's suddenly available now for the filming of training day so they just go oops sorry toby here's your uh here's your severance fee <laughs> i'm sure he was happily happy to get it and, and, and we're and, going ethan and more and more power to people saying no to toby Maguire. i say it here first uh this is a blake opinion <laughs> less less a blake hot more. take the blake, the, blake take the blake take is toby Maguire, not good not good guys <laughs> Um, <laughs> I just don't know. I mean, he's fine in certain things, but like in that kind of role, I just, I can't imagine anyone other than Ethan Hawke at this no. point, but and they have, I just they, don't they, think he would have pulled it off. But Katie, as an action, you know, action film aficionado, um, one of the best writers around action, you can't, I, I would love, I need like a retrospective opportunity for Katie to write about this movie so I can read her. Oh, thank but, you. Um, but isn't their chemistry fucking unbelievable? Like, hawk and denzel yeah. like even later in the mag seven the magnificent seven remake which is not a bad movie actually quite a lot of fun they have still got this unbelievable chemistry and like you can't part that's when you when you hear about who's got chemistry and like people get cast on chemistry or you know uh, chemistry readings that happen in whether it's film or mm -hmm. television you can't pass that up can you imagine seeing ethan hawk and denzel and then seeing ethan hawk with mcguire you're like Denzel's gonna eat no Denzel and and Toby. Oh yeah, sorry. Denzel, would, he would Den eat him for lunch. Yeah, eat him for lunch. He'd be like a snack. They're like, you can't you can't sit next to this guy. But that's why Ethan's such a great actor because he can he can sit there and right. do the thing. I think yeah. I think Denzel and Ethan are probably like game recognized game in that situation oh, yeah. where they like really respect each other's craft and each other as performers and and you know know how to parry in a way that I just don't think Ethan, I don't think Toby Maguire could come back in in any way the only denzel. member of the pussy posse that's allowed <laughs> to talk to denzel washington is leo because he's kind of gone past it now but <laughs> any other members of the pussy posse you can just get out of here it's not happening not, not on our Ethan Supley. Ethan Supley. Oh, actually, no, I like Ethan Supley. Fa famed member of the Pussy Posse. Yeah, yeah I like Ethan yeah. Supley, actually. I, I haven't seen the uh, Denzel's Magnificent Seven movie, but... Uh, Pretty good movie. Okay, I'll check it it's out. Good. It's got good, it. great actors in it. Oh, my God. It's fine. I think I was a little bit colder on it, but maybe I should go back and give it another chance, Katie, seeing Katie, what we've seen. Katie, you would like it. I think... I, I've, I, I've, I reviewed it. I think I was, I think I was like, meh. But you know what? uh i maybe i should go what back your, because that, we did not know how good we had it back then what was your sensational line in your uh um equalizer three which i still haven't yet to see but i did read your review like three times um it was like oh thanks de death what was it like death and pasta like what else do you need or something like that it was like <laughs> i was like i yes. made a lot of like italian food <laughs> references yeah which it was, was... It was the best yeah the best. i just want to know 
if the, if there was one like distill, distillation of the lessons that you learned working for Michael Mann on Miami Vice, like what was like the best thing that you learned? Uh, perhaps, I mean, I'm sure you learned a lot, but like if like a tip that you've taken with you or even just like a ethos, something that you've carried with you having worked on that movie as your first Hollywood movie as an editor, like, I'm, you know, I'm sure there's so a lot, crazy. but I'm, I'm curious what, if there's one thing you had to like say you kept with you throughout your career. Um, I probably for the lesson for the life lesson from that movie was there was a kind of a touching unexpected moment. I am, I had with um, the music editor, Jim Weidman. And, you know, when we were finishing the movie, he complimented me on always keeping my sense of humor throughout the making of this movie. Because um, he said, that's not common, which I found surprising. And, <laughs> you know, for when you make, when you're working on such a difficult, demanding project like that, you know, he said, like, it's really important that mm -hmm. we have people like yourself who just keep their sense of humor. Um, and, you know, that really helps us get through this. Um, so, yeah, that was so I guess I guess I hope that answers your question. Yeah, no, I think that's so, yeah. a really good answer because, yeah, because you're working on something that could break you. But, you know, got to keep your sense of humor, got to keep your you know, got to keep your gratitude that it's like, here we are working on this project and it's probably a yeah. dream come true in a lot of ways. And also maybe seeing how the sausage gets made. And, but yeah, yeah. I think there's a, a it, I think for anyone who works in Hollywood, like so many of us come here and we're dreamers and, you know, dream yeah. of doing this and then it can be easy to get cynical, but you do have to keep that sense of gratitude and humor and like taking it all in stride so i think that's probably yeah. a great life lesson for anyone it's a, it's for sure it's yeah. a phenomenal lesson because also you know for anyone no matter what job you've had whether it's a hollywood job job or another job the tougher the job while you're in it the survival mechanism is exactly what you said joe you're like you, you have great friends that you work with sometimes or people that you're bonding with <laughs> trauma bonding sometimes and you get through those difficult situations and then after it other shit seems easy like i imagine for you yeah. it set you up to be like oh i have not so crazy 24-hour timelines and oh i don't have to get a plane fly over me and record it and ellie die like elliot and or i don't have to sit in the front <laughs> of like a extreme horsepower boat and record it only to find that on the second last screening they cut it out after being in there for like six months it's like i i imagine that all of that stuff is like oh no this is i can do this this is pretty yeah pretty, pretty i mean for for so many of us in post-production, when you watch these, you know, behind the scenes documentaries of, you know, of on the DVD extras and stuff, and it always cracks us up because all they show you is everyone's having a great time on the set. Everyone's <laughs> smiling and laughing. We're all a big happy family. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> and of course that's like, you know, that's like one minute on that film set that day, you know, and of and the rest of the film shoot, of course, is not like that. 
And of course, in post-production, we don't ever get shown in these behind the scenes, you know, documentaries. And they don't show like, um, you know, the 16 hour days and everyone just has like their head down and just, you know, um, you know, with a huge frown on their face and all that. <laughs> like none of none of that gets shown. Right. You know, hey, you thought you had uh, the weekend free? No, at 530 on Friday, we're going to tell you surprise. Uh, <laughs> we're working all weekend, you know. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. Um, a couple of uh, a couple of funny a couple of parts from the movie that always crack me up <laughs> that I wanted to just randomly bring up to you guys was when we when we're in the Haiti cafe when we first go yeah. to the cafe to meet Yero you see Crockett and Tubbs go down they get patted down. They're here to meet, you know, the big or the middle level drug cartel boss. And then randomly behind them, these two completely white American tourists just enter behind them randomly. <laughs> you know, Switek and Zito. Right. But like, but the bad guys don't clock them at all. <laughs> the bad guys... <laughs> Yeah, the bad guys don't clock that it's it's not super it's not super fishy that like oh once Crockett and Tubbs enter these two randomly like white American tourists just happen to sit enter and sit at a back table while we're doing business here. <laughs> and that's the charisma <laughs> of Colin Farrell and Jamie Foxx that we don't you notice. Don't, that. You don't even yeah. notice it. <laughs> yeah, and then of course conveniently uh, he's there to throw uh crockett a grenade <laughs> you know <laughs> so that always cracks me up and the other and one little and one sound effect moment that always cracks me up is when we get to the trailer at the end to save trudy gina drills a hole yes. through the floor yeah of the trailer right and no one hears, hears it, it. Not, not through <laughs> no, metal. One, no one hears no, it through metal yeah no one inside the trailer hears someone under the floor drilling a hole and sticking a camera through it and that's the We're, power of meth yeah that's the power yeah. of meth <laughs> right and there's also the, there's yes. the title of the episode <laughs> the I'm power crazy. of meth the, the power, power of meth. meth. That's oh, the power man. of meth. <laughs> I'm I'm so glad my name is going to be associated with the power of meth. <laughs> the power um, of the power of love slash meth. Uh, I and, think is uh... and and also and I maybe Gina's a ghost in this scene, but when also when at the trailer, when Jamie picks up the pizza box. I believe he gives Gina his shotgun to put down and then Gina just like sets the shotgun against the trailer instead of just putting it down quietly on the ground. Again, I'm like, <laughs> how you're making a lot of noise. There. How, you really think no one's going to hear you like setting a shotgun on the wall of your trailer and drilling a hole through it. 
but um but you that's know, the um, that's the advanced technology joseph that they must have as undercover police they've got drills that be. don't make sound in metal yep super uh, sharp drills the, we don't only... notice this stuff because of the magic of post-production yes, because the exactly. edit is so propulsive and the immersive <laughs> sound design is like uh, so good that we're just like yeah we're in it we're in the story we just want to see trudy get saved the performances yeah. are good and that's why we let these you let them slide. like you if you let yeah. them slide because you know if the movie's bad then you're noticing that stuff 100 if the movie's good you're not noticing that stuff and yeah. so it's a testament to the artisans and the craftspeople and the performers and everyone who made the movie that we we aren't clocking this but obviously yeah. you know someone who's worked on this so what long and people you know us having watched the movie a million times are going to pick up on this stuff but um but that's that's the magic of the movies baby that's the magic <laughs> of the movies everyone at, at that point of the movie everyone is still um still thinking about uh colin farrell choking that uh, that dude out that's what the, i'm thinking about yes that's what yes. i'm thinking about so everyone's like rewind it to that part again <laughs> that's what well, i'm thinking about thank you very much yes we can we can forgive anything else so i i literally have never noticed the shotgun being put down katie's still just taking the sweat off her brow after the colin farrell choking scene to have heard I'm, I'm passed out cold i'm just like i haven't i've never seen that part of the movie because i'm just <laughs> on the floor <laughs> fainted <laughs> oh, God. it's a lot to take in this is a lot to take in. <laughs> yeah. yeah but yes just it's like just funny the show there's a lot to take in guys there's a lot yeah <laughs> But yeah, it's for 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 Michael Maniverse enthusiasts, of course, it's just um, funny to watch that that moment. Um, that moment doesn't get clocked, but in Heat, when uh, you know Gerald Ford's son makes uh, the Ding. slightest bump yeah. on, on in, in inside that uh, container, um, Neil McCauley immediately clocks it right he's like yeah. uh-oh but this is the lesson neil's yeah. not on meth <laughs> <laughs> that's true he's not like a trailer park tweaker or whatever no, they yeah, call yeah, them yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's he's sharp he's living the his like his elevated experience of his existence he's mm -hmm. in it he's the man he is yeah whereas, yeah whereas those trailer park tweakers are not people that neil mccauley would associate with let's just be really clear no, he's there. Those are a bunch of Wayne grows. Yeah. He only yeah. needs one Wayne grow to no. deal with. And then he's one out. Wayne grow took him down. <laughs> yeah. You don't see him doing liquor store holdups well, with a board to lose tattoo on his chest. <laughs> oh my so. goodness. Well, we've all learned a lot here today. Oh my God. <laughs> Another revealing <laughs> episode of Miami Nice. Uh, well, we had fun. Oh, we did we, have fun. We never don't have fun. This is the funnest True. show I've ever done. <laughs> ever. In, and it will never end. As long as I get to talk to Katie Walsh and the Katie Walsh magic comes out, I'm I'm here for it. Joseph, thank you so much um, for everything for sure. that you've done and every, just every, not only the subtle things and connections, but your immense support of everything that we do and your huge presence in our little community. And if folks are listening and you haven't joined, you know, for the modest amount that you spend on your Patreon, the benefit is our incredible community. They're so helpful and lovely and sweet and actually insightful about 
different movie experiences and we get to talk about all the things that we love the michael man of it all and and all of the other shows we've done but there's such a great community there and um they're all the best so thank you for being a part of it thank you for coming on the show thank you for digging through to find your notes thanks for taking katie to ferrari yes um, um, i can't wait to talk to both of you more once i actually see it but yeah this is this has been such a treat and thank you so much for being a part of the show oh you're too kind well thanks for having me it was a lot of fun and off topic, maybe we can edit this out. Sure. Uh, collateral question for you two. Oh yeah. Since that, I'm kind of with Katie. I think that might be my number one Michael Mann film. <laughs> so, hypo- So collateral question. Do you think Vincent Collateral plays the trivia question? with all of his targets because we only see because we only see the one in the jazz club with daniel but the two hits before that you don't see the yeah yeah you don't see the actual hit you just see the aftermath or whatever um i don't think he does because it feels so tailored to the jazz club yeah that's just gonna say i feel like he's more um targeted to that but i don't I think you're spot on that if he needed more information about an, another target, he would say, if you tell me, I'll let you live. He feels like a guy who would fake the bargain all the time where it's absolutely under, like, it's like, it's like with Max himself, the whole thing is a, a flawed bargain. I'm going to give you 500 bucks and then I'm going to leave. And that's never going to happen. He's going to kill him no matter what happens or he's going to try and kill him no matter what happens. So I I think he's definitely got a sadistic edge that he would bargain with people, but that one very specifically, he asks him the question, he does it. He's going to kill him no matter what. Yeah. I sometimes wonder if that was his like Ezekiel 25, 17, you know, that because um, obviously hits four and five are you know, derailed and are not according to plan because his, his agenda, his itinerary got messed up, but you know, you have to assume Peter Lim and Annie, um, were also planned to, for Vincent to just find them in a quiet space. Right. Not, the, the only reason why I think it doesn't work for the fat man, as he calls him the fat man, the first kill is because the implication is that if he was sitting down and he did a bargain, he wouldn't run. It feels like he ran from Vincent. Like Vincent breaks into his place, he runs, Vincent shoots yeah. him and he falls out the window. Whereas like with um, with Daniel in the club, he's trying to just go up to him and talk to him and sort of seduce him and get him to that moment where there's no one around so he can take him out. Whereas like that first one, especially, he might do it with others, but that first one, especially, he's like, he walks in, the fat man basically knows like, oh God, this guy's a harbinger of yeah, death. Yeah. I got to bail. And then he just goes, runs into his, whether it's his bedroom to go grab a weapon or whatever, boom, bang, straight out the window onto Max. I also think he's like peacocking a little for Max. Yes, yes, yes. Um, That's a great shout, Katie. Um, You know, like he's he's trying to fuck with his head. Wait, in the first hit or? No, no, he, no, no, no. In Daniel. the jazz club. He's trying oh, okay. to pretend to Max that he will let him go. Yeah. And like oh, he's just been, he's just kind yeah. of like fucking with Max, I think, in that yeah. situation. Yeah, I, I I had never thought about that, but that's a that's a good point because he's he 
he is messing he is he is messing with max to just kind of keep him along for this ride yeah yeah um, but i think he like thinks yeah. that like what you said like blake said like he like he thinks that he'll let him go if he like answers the question but he yeah. never was going to he's but never he's gonna answer it. he's i think he's just trying to sort of keep him off his you know keep him off kilter. keep him guessing yeah 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 Interesting. All right, guys. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, all you need we is math. We can do this for hours. All yeah. All you need, yeah. all you need is math. The power of math. Um, <laughs> so good. Guys, thank you so much Magic for Magic of the movies. Yes. <laughs>Mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.